John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. And this is the High Game Podcast. Lovely. Yeah. What do we talk about? We talk about guitars all the time, all day long, night and day. Yeah. Where are you recording from today, John? I am in a undisclosed location in the roughly northwestern corner of my basement. Okay. Shit, I said that out loud. In beautiful West Seattle. Yes, beautiful West Seattle. Yep. I'm also in a basement in beautiful West Seattle. I've got foam up all over the walls. Ooh, why? Soundproofing. Oh, it's not like your gimp cave or something? Nope, just soundproofing. Okay. I mean... It would be all right if it was, I'm just asking. Exactly. No shame. That's right. We don't worry about what Ed's doing in his basement. No. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is episode number two today. We're double banging it here on record day. Two banger, double banger. Either of those work. Yeah. I think so. You never asked me what I wanted. You only asked me why. I never thought that so much trouble was resting on my reply. Beverages. Beverages, Ed. Yeah, uh, I do know who that is. Who? Elvis Costello. That is correct, Ed. That was called Miracle Man from his debut album in 1977. Did you own that album in 1977? I did. I bought it new in 1977. I was 10 years old. That's wild. Why do you think that was? I think in my case, it was both my older brothers and my friends, and I guess the stuff that was being listened to was Joe Jackson, Elvis Costello, The Jam, The Knack. So I think it was just obvious when that came out. Must have. Yeah, it's funny, because those bands you just said, New Wave? Yeah. Not New Wave like I think a lot of people would think. Yes. That's the 
East Coast art school new wave and not flock of seagulls, big hair new wave. Well, I think that stuff would be maybe a little later. Later, exactly. Yeah, totally. But, you know, that V1 of new wave. Right. I only know that stuff kind of from much, much later. So 10 years old and buying Elvis Costello is just wild to me, especially debut album. The backing band on that? Yeah. Was a band called Clover. It was not yet Elvis Costello and the Attractions. And that band were from California, of all places. Huh. That band Clover would go on to be Huey Lewis and the News. With Huey? Is Clover the News or is Clover Huey Lewis and the News? Clover was the News. Yeah. I don't know what Huey was doing. Probably, you know, who knows what. (laughs) I think there's some full frontal Huey in... What movie is he in? (laughs) What? Yeah. Full frontal Huey? Yeah. Unless I dreamt that. So you're saying in a movie, you can see the whiz coming out of the wiener hole. You know, it's it's a farther <laughs> away. <laughs> the movie Shortcuts, directed by Robert Altman. Oh, that was a good one. Well, there you go. First return result, Huey Lewis pissing in shortcuts. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, there's Huey Lewis. <laughs> we have such a rich cinematic history in this country, don't we? That's what I'm saying. It's weird because I totally said that, and then I'm like, oh my God, did I just make this up? Different things stick in different people's minds, Ed. And the crazy thing is, I am right now looking at a photo of P coming out of <laughs> Huey Lewis's dick hole. <laughs> So that's what Huey Lewis was doing. Yeah. He was too busy to be in Clover because he's flashing his dick for Robert Altman. That's what he was doing. What are you drinking? Oh, <laughs> wait, wait. This is a athletic brewing company, Upside Dawn. Dong? Not Dong, Dawn. D-A-W-N. Gotcha. It's a non-alcoholic golden beer. I think they make exclusively non-alcoholic beers, and they're really good. Oh. What about you? What do you got? I have an Orangina. Mm-hmm. Since 1936. Can you believe that? Yes, I can believe it. It is a citrus beverage. 1936? Where are they from? It is a product of the UK. Okay. And it is Orangina, man. It's not owned by Coke or any such thing. They are their own thing. Right. Of course, at this point, it almost feels like it goes without saying that I have a black coffee as backup. Great. You know, we always do editing, and I suddenly got this flash of fear that you would edit out the entire Huey Lewis Dick conversation. Don't think I will. (laughs) That is probably copyrighted content, so I'm not going to post a picture of Huey Lewis's junk to the internet. But if you want to see it, it's as simple as Googling Huey Lewis penis. This all started way back with Elvis Costello. Yeah. And the connection there is that he played primarily jazz masters. Mm -hmm. So what we have today, Ed, is a jazz master shaped guitar. Okay. Made by Nash guitars. We've never done a Nash, correct? That is correct. You know where they're made at? Um, Nashville. Olympia, Washington. Is that true? That is true. Some local boys down there. 
I had no idea. Yeah, a guy named Bill Nash down there in Olympia, Washington. Now, we know that a lot of people make your telly shape, your stretch shape, your offset shapes. Those are pretty solid ground to tread on. But Nash has taken an approach that's kind of interesting. They only do relic finishes. Oh, really? Everything they make looks beat up. I've got a JM63 here. This is a Jazzmaster shape. This particular example is black. It's relic and worn down, and it's got a tortoiseshell pickguard. We might have to have some conversation here, Ed. Okay, I'm ready. So the Jazzmaster, originally it was hoped that the Jazzcats would play it with their plinkety-plank. But with the Jazzmasters, a couple of things happened. There was not sufficient tension on the strings as they went over the bridge for them to sit solidly in their grooves if you hit it hard. So the strings would pop out. Okay. That was a thing. For sure. That's why so many people will replace them with mastery bridges and all kinds of things that seek to fix that. Bill Nash's solution was to do a couple things. First, he changed the angle of the neck. So it creates a little more tension for the strings that way. Okay. Then he changed out the bridge to more of a tunematic style with roller saddles that the strings go over. So unlike the old trem systems on the fender where you hit the whammy bar and the entire bridge moves, this bridge sits still the whole time. So you move the whammy bar, the bridge sits still, and the strings just kind of roll over those saddles. Additionally, are you familiar with the buzz stop? I don't know. Am I? Help me. Okay, so the strings have gone down over the rollers of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Now there's this metal bar, and the strings go underneath that. This is on the Nash, not on a normal Jazzmaster. This is on the Nash, yes. So a normal Jazzmaster, it just goes bridge to the tailpiece. Yes. It's interesting, like a Mastery does not have that piece either. No. And this is where the controversy comes in. They call it a buzz stop because it's meant to kind of reduce the ringiness of the strings back behind the bridge there. Oh. There are some that argue that is precisely what gives the Jazzmaster a lot of its character. For sure. So I don't know. There are some people that are like, oh yeah, buzz stop, way to go. And then other people that are like, every time they see a buzz stop, first thing they do is take it off. You've owned plenty of Jazzmasters. Yeah. Have you had some time to play with it? I've never had one with a bus stop on it. First thing I think is that the trem arm seems kind of stiff. I have no idea if that's because of the additional tension on the strings that the bus stop creates or if it's something else entirely. So then what are the pros of using the bus stop? Well, you've probably noticed, Ed, that a lot of offsets use heavier gauge strings. Sure. You've heard the saying, tension is tone. From you. You say it. Well, there you go. Yeah. So another way to get that additional tension is with something like the bus stop. The sustain is very good on this. Oh, that does sound good. 
I've gone into Thunder Road, and they've had a few of those Nashes in there. Yeah. I have owned Jazzmasters and Jaguars. I don't own one right now, and the reason is I've never played one that I actually liked. I've never felt like a Jazzmaster just felt good. But the thing with the Nashes is it feels like a more sturdy guitar that you can play hard and not worry about it. I would completely agree with that. It does have that feeling to it. And the finishes on it are equivalent, in my mind, to what you're going to get from, in some cases, the Fender Custom Shop at at least double the price. Oh, yeah. So there's that. But, you know, it's not just the neck angle and the buzz stop and the bridge. There are a couple of different considerations that Bill Nash kept in mind when he built these. These pickups are made by Lawler to Bill Nash's specifications. They have underwound the neck pickup. Is that in the rhythm circuit or is that neck in the lead circuit? That is the lead circuit. As neckular as it goes with the tone. So now if I go bridge, as bridgular as it gets. That's kind of nice. That sounds great. And then in the middle. Does it have the same rhythm lead circuit? It does, but here's a thing that Bill Nash was thinking. Okay. When I switch to the rhythm circuit, with the little switch up there, and there's a volume and a tone, traditionally on a Jazzmaster, what that does is activate the neck pickup only. Right. Nash thought, what if I want to still have both pickups? And so he did that. You can be in the rhythm circuit and still have access to both pickups. I still get all three combinations, neck, bridge, or both. So I can set them wildly different. Yeah, that's totally good. So then you can use both pickups and get a whole different set of tones. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So if I go totally trebly on the rhythm circuit... Now I'm in the lead circuit, bridge pickup, but I've rolled the tone back on the bridge pickup. Yeah. So I've put our overdrive back on. And then here's the other. I could see that being useful. Yeah, you know what I could see, Ed? So if I'm in the lead... Maybe I kick in the fuzz and go over to the rhythm circuit for the creamier. Kind of make more sense? Creamier. Yeah, creamier. I think a thing that's been a standard complaint with regular jazz masters is dudes like Jay Massis. He just either fucking cuts that rhythm circuit literally removes it yeah or he just tapes down the rhythm so it's always in lead and i think a lot of that is because it just doesn't give you much more tonal variation than you can get from just the lead circuit alone yeah so this fixes that on a regular jazz master whenever i've owned them i've just been in lead circuit and leave it alone i never use the rhythm circuit you know what i think would be more useful to me lay it on me is if it had an additional pickup selector switch. 
Does that make sense? Uh, in the lead circuit, you've got your pickup selector, your volume and tone. Yep. And then in the rhythm circuit, give me another pickup selector, volume and tone. That way I could just set them wildly different. Yeah. All I got to do is flip that switch and I'm just going back and forth. Yeah, then you'd have a whole nother switch on the guitar to deal with. You could put it somewhere out of the way. Sure. The way the Nash looks now, it's familiar, you know. Yes. It's laid out exactly like a jazz master. I get what you're saying. Another three position switch. That's what you want. Yeah. Okay, you can have that. I bet you give Bill Nash a call and he'd do that for you. What do you think of that? I'll bet he would, because, you know, he and I, way back. Why not? One of the finishes that I've seen on some of his guitars that I've also seen on other Relic dudes is that paint-over-paint finish. Yes. I love it so much. Isn't that great? I like the black over sunburst. That's a favorite of mine. What's yours? Mine is black over Paisley. That's pretty cool. I cannot imagine owning one of those 70s Paisley guitars, but I would love to have almost like rattle can over that Paisley. Oh, yeah. And then just the Paisley like poking through. Which Paisley, the pink or the blue? I kind of don't think it matters. Huh. I was thinking for you, pink. Guy like me? Clearly. The black and the pink are really cool. That's that's my jam. Do they build custom or do they just do orders for retail and do you know? Yeah, I don't know. You have to go through their dealers. I just don't know if they have a particularly a la carte situation or if they just have their bunch of models. Yeah. Which are Telly and Esquire, their Strat. They do their own double cutaway symmetrical style. Like a Junior? Yeah, Junior E. It has three pickups, three humbuckers that are coil tapped. Oh. So that's kind of cool. You can go single to double. It's kind of junior-y. It's also maybe a little closer to that Travis Bean shape. Yeah, I think you're right. That one's super cool. Yeah, I'm looking on the page. Man, they have no end of colors. Their colors and their relic job are pretty top-notch. Yeah. I've seen a lot of these things. They're doing really good work. They come to you not just relic or beat up, but they feel really good. You mentioned solid. It doesn't feel like something that needs to be broken in. It kind of feels like it already is. That's kind of nice. They have that Jazzmaster shape with the Tele hardware. Ah. Uh, that is maybe my favorite. Yeah. And I think the reason I gravitate towards that configuration is because I dislike the bridge in Jazzmasters so much. Oh, uh, right. So I don't know. I almost think that rolling bridge and buzz stop might just get rid of that for me. Maybe that's what you've been responding to this whole time. Maybe it just feels too loose and sloppy back there. The people always say Ed is not into that loose, sloppy stuff. Something that adds more tension to the strings and tightens things up a little bit would be more to your liking. They make a thin line style too, right? Yeah. Their Deluxe is pretty nice. Their Tele Deluxe. They put Lollers in all their stuff, and that's nice because those are super solid pickups. 
The other thing is their hardware relicking is really, really good. I think so. The kind of tarnish they get on the silver parts is really nice. Not overboard. How long has Nash Guitars been around? Like, they've been on my radar for a year, maybe? Something like that? Bill Nash wanted to leave the kind of corporate world. I guess he had some sort of job that he didn't like. He started making them in his basement on weekends in 2001. 20 years. He's been doing it a while. Yeah. And he had experience with the idea of making guitars out of these various parts because he grew up in the center of the kind of uh, parts caster culture of California in the 70s and 80s. We've talked before about DiMarzio making replacement pickups and Schechter making any part you could think you might want to put on your guitar and then Charvel doing the same thing. It was possible to build a better guitar than you could get from Fender because Fender just didn't feel like doing it. Right. That culture is where Bill Nash grew up. And so now he's up there in Olympia doing the same thing, thinking, I'll just get the parts and I'll make a better one. Do you know how big of a shop he has? Is this a one-man operation or does he have like a whole crew? There's a whole crew. Yeah. I think total, including him, like 10 people. It's not too massive. Right. I looked at their FAC, and the first thing on the FAC is, can I buy direct? And the answer is, no, we do not sell direct. We do have a network of authorized dealers. So, yeah, that whole, can you buy a custom? No, you cannot. They probably just don't want to deal with that kind of overhead. Yeah, definitely, as we've talked to smaller builders, that has been a thing. Like Dunnable. Dunnable will build custom guitars for you. But he put a $500 premium on ordering direct from him. I would imagine it's just easier to like have a bunch of guitars, just crank them out without having to worry about like what pickups do they want and when do we got to do this, sourcing all the weird parts. And it's probably just way easier to not deal with that custom thing. Yeah, that takes time. Yeah. Totally. Whereas if somebody just goes into like Uncle Frank's and says, yeah, I want the Black Jazzmaster 63 style. Check. Yeah. Got it. I will order that for you. Yeah. It's just a different way of doing it. Right. So they're large. Oh, oh, <laughs> he's got orange paisley. Whoa, that's killer. It's like an <laughs> orangish paisley with a pink pick guard. Oh my God. So do that. And then fucking rattle can it black for me? Could you do that for Ed? Oh, my God. Could, can you help Ed out? That seems totally doable. Oh! What? Oh, my God. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a telly, and it's surf green over orange paisley. It's beautiful. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're going to do with yourself. What's that? What are you doing? This is the Right Sounds Tremolo Tremolo. Maybe uh, some of the CXM1978 from our good friends over at Chase Bliss. <laughs> I'll just turn that mix down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Great. 
I want to be the pedal producer for bands where I just like, you're a little heavy on the mids right there. Pull the mids back. You know, your rate's a little off, that kind of thing. Oh, what we need here is like slip mode from the Chase Bliss mood. That could be a thing. Ed's pedal recipes. Oh. Peterson's presets. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of these Nash guitars? The work that's being done by our neighbors just down I-5 there in Olympia, Washington. I think that after owning five or six Jazz Masters, I don't want to own another Fender Jazz Master. That's it. I've just decided I'm never going to own another Fender Jazz Master. Would I own a Nash? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe that's suddenly the turning point. There are so many people making such great offsets right now. You don't have to go back to Fender ever again if you don't want to. I've got a Tele. I've got a Strat. You know, that's fine. Yeah. They do good work. I think they do. They do. But just Jazz Masters, I'm just not into it. So Bill Nash, yeah, okay, I'm into it. Yeah. What about you? I think in post-COVID times, maybe we go down there and knock on Bill Nash's door. Hey, Bill, it's us from the high gain. I think in COVID times, I'm just going to go kick the door in. Oh, yeah. Hey, Bill. We're here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. That would mean putting on hard shoes and like leaving the house. You don't want to do that. Mm -mm. Slippers, baby. Slippers. In the last year, I've put shoes on probably two dozen times. (laughs) Fuck shoes. Viewers, the last time Ed showed up to give me a pedal, yep, he had the soft shoes on. You know, it's understandable. Yeah. What I wasn't expecting was the bathrobe and the hair in curlers. Right. So there you go, viewers. If you're wondering what's out there in offset Jazzmaster type land, yep. here is an option from up here in the upper left corner. The best coast. Yeah. Nice work, John. No, nice work to you, Ed. Where can people go to find our stuff? Oh, they can go on the interweb machine, fire up that box. Yep. And you can go to our website, The High Gain. Mm-hmm. You can go to Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitter's a LinkedIn, the Pinterest. Yep. Email. Yeah, you can email us at thehighgainpod at gmail.com. You could go to patreon.com slash thehighgain. Ooh, you want to be a part of that fun. Yeah. For $3 a month, we're still posting bonus episodes. That's right. Get them while they're hot. Be a part of that. Sure. If you go to our Instagram, you will notice in our profile a link to our Discord. If you want to show up there and make various comments about stuff. We are on there a fair bit. Maybe more than we should be. No, it's a good amount. All right, John. Good work. Okay, Ed. Good work to you, too. All right. I'll talk to you mm, next week. That sounds good, Ed. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.